I feel like you have to take crunk in doses because if you get too much crunk in your system, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying, then you like on Trillville level. Yeah. And that's problematic. Mm-hmm. You ready to fight. Right. Like little pills, like little teeny bitty little. Just tiny little doses. Crunk pills. No energy drink. Mm-mm. You don't need the energy drink. We, you know. What did you say was in the, what did you say was in crunk juice? Uh, horny goat weed. <laughs> you know it'll be crunk and or horny. It's organic. <laughs> As long as your your uh, source of crunk is organic, we do not care here. Bottom of the map. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. What's happening? I'm writer, researcher, and professor Dr. Regina Bradley. I'm music journalist Christina Lee from WABE and PRX. This is Bottom of the Map, taking hip hop conversation in a new direction. beginning stages and bottom of the map when Mm -hmm. we were in our google doc and in our feelings trying to figure out like what exactly we're going to be talking about in this podcast i remember very early on regina we were like we need to give a crunk curriculum so this is the long-awaited crunk curriculum hey (laughs) folks have a very i guess one very limited idea of what crunk is which would be what chris that was Exclusively Lil John coming out of Atlanta. Yeah! So like Lil John and only Lil John was the only crunk motherfucker coming out of Atlanta. Right. False. Also that crunk was only restricted to a period in like the mid-aughts. Like crunk actually died at some point. I don't think crunk died. Yes! Exactly. Crunk actually goes way far back. It has a much longer history than I think folks really understand. And that's mm-hmm. because it really got its start over in Memphis. Okay, because I know the Memphis people going to holler at us about this episode in particular if Go we ahead. didn't talk about them. Why Memphis? Who who it is coming out of Memphis? Oh, man. Well, there is a couple of different people. Well, mm-hmm. of course, we have to refer to the Triple Six, specifically with Tear the Club Up. It started off as slang, but then meanwhile in Memphis, like they're referring to it as like buck music, like we're gonna get bucked to this shit. They hadn't even landed on a genre. They didn't even know they were creating a genre. They mm. were just kind of like, we're gonna tear the club up. That's our only objective here. We got shit else to do. Like, like when you when you hear Crunk, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have to give credit to Triple Six, Three Six mm-hmm. Mafia, because DJ Paul just, I'm wondering if like the little mini muses when he was in the studio were like, all right, hit this, see what this does. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How does this make you feel? And he's like, Crunk. Either that you know or he just got all of his friends, like kind of compiled them into the record booth and just got them all to yell. Because that's the first thing I think of when I think of Crunk. I think of like a whole bunch of folks just like chanting and hollering as if they're at the club. And like it might not even be the most like polished song there is out there, but it basically transport you to some like hole in the wall where like people don't care whether they mosh or bump into each other or throw bows or whatever. But I think that that's, that's really important, right? Like Crunk's not supposed to be polished. 
Kronk is not supposed to be some lyrically complicated track. Oh my God, yes. Does please. that make sense? Yes, you know no elaborate. So it's like, what I mean by that is, it's like one of the reasons that Crunk stands out is that you have maybe one line or two, usually the chorus, that folks are like, oh, okay, this is the song. This is, right? So like when you hear Tear the Club Up, can you give me the first verse off the rip? Nah, you going straight to Tear the Club Up, up. Tear the, the Club, club up. up, right? Um, it's the same thing with like, you know, Ape Ball and MJG. Unless, of course, you're an Ape Ball and MJG stan or scholar, then you'd be like, hell yeah, I can give you the first lines. But I mean, like, most of the times you hear that, dun, dun, dun. You going to lay it down, lay it down. You hoes lay it down, lay it down, lay it down. You hoes lay it down. Sunday morning, I'm still yawning from the night before. So much zest in my chest from the switches I smoke. Oh, no, who is this hoe in the bed? The repetition of lyrics or the chorus um the simplicity of it mm -hmm. because you're not supposed to sit there and marinate and think you know intellectually hmm what does it mean to lay it down <laughs> what exactly are we laying down um is it appropriate to lay down in this particular no it's about to go down like do you really have an intellectual conversation with yourself when you about to whoop ass i feel like context is absolutely key and i feel like that's why sometimes crunk sort of gets like pigeonholed as to stuff that's like ignorant music i mean like or ignorant what is the repetition even really all about it's like they kind of forget that once you kind of go into a club you're in a completely different mind state you want to hear music that hits a little bit differently arguably three six is probably most well known for like tear the club up you know what I'm yeah saying? for sure that was like my first introduction to gangsta boot <gasps> <gasps> We do, we do. You know what I'm saying? Cause she was like, look, yeah. let me tell you something. We ain't having no fuck shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let me re-emphasize. Number one. Yes. Let me re-emphasize. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, she offered that uh feminine version of what the dirty south can do. But most of the times when folks think about crunk, they come here to Atlanta. And like you were saying at the beginning of the episode, we start with What? Lil John. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, like even Lil John has said like a hundred thousand times that his inspiration for his brand of crunk came from eight ball and mgg lay it down you know so at this particular time he is an a and r and producer for so so deaf mm -hmm. so he is working for jermaine dupree jermaine dupree is one of a couple of different producers that are gaining traction here in atlanta but what they're doing is a little bit more pop oriented and you know between that and you know what outcast and goody mob and the dungeon family was doing there wasn't really like underground club music being represented out here in these airwaves so you know he's going to places like club 559 he's djing and mind you like he grew up listening to some, like punk shit we're talking about like the misfits so he knew that there was always going to be a place for mosh mm. somewhere mm -hmm. but yeah he he has talked in interviews before about like how when he went to a club there was no song that got people as riled up as lay it down and so his thinking was atlanta needs songs that'll get people as riled up as lay it down and that became the whole impetus for crunk juice crunk rock all that shit to come but like before even all of that you know yes. i mean you know Lil john asked you a very important question who you with who you with <laughs> who you with who you with get crunk who you with
folks want to understand what Crunk began as, you just have to listen to that song because I re-listened to it today. It is literally all chance. Why do we forget the East Side Boys? The East Side Boys is what made Lil John Crunk for real. They were his hype men. You don't roll into a club alone. You gotta have, you know, your crew. I mean, unless you, you know, about that life that you can just go up into the club by yourself. But yeah, you usually got you, you know, a squad, a clique with you. You know yeah, what I mean? So, exactly. Like when he was like, who you with? You just like, oh, well, I'm with the East Side Boys. <laughs> <laughs> were talking about like the club and I was thinking okay you know I was also thinking about how like Lil Jon is really popular at like football games oh my god so, absolutely like, at, you know when I would go to like high school football games like the band might play a little bit of something and then the crowd would just like fill in for them you know what I'm saying that act of community also invokes you know what a lot of folks would call call and response which is very much associated with the church but this like idea that you blur the boundaries between what's considered to be, you know, churchy and, and sacred and the secular. To borrow from those aesthetics and those traditions very much is associated with crunk music. So you were talking about producers. So, you mm -hmm. know, Lil John, um, I'm also thinking about, well, now he's Mr. Khaled Parp. Once upon a time, he was DJ Smurf. Oh, my God. Yes. Let's talk about this long history that is DJ Smurf. He, listen, he was like, what y'all not finna do, goddamn. He has nine <laughs> lives in this hip hop business. Like, I swear to God. So, like, so run us through a couple of those lives. What you got for Okay. Me? So, actually, he had a song called To The Walls in 1992. Mm-hmm. All the weekends in Atlanta, niggas know what to do. And it might be the only time where he's actually dared to rap. I think ever since then, he's kind of like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to be doing this rap stuff anymore. He, you know, he recognized that, like, he was better off as a producer and a talent scout. while like he was a DJ you know like independent he runs into uh, D-Rock who we know from the Bankhead Bounce so they keep those relations together he even features D-Rock in an album called Dead Crunk and this was still in the 90s mind mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. and then like once Lil John like starts taking off like you might recognize D-Rock because like D-Rock ends up forming one half of the Yin Yang Twins mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so that's how you get from the window to the walls because like at this point it's like a what 15 year history like mm. behind this hook already before like most like the mainstream quote unquote would come to know it After he manages Ying Ying Twins, then he just happens to discover, I don't know, somebody named Soldier Boy. But like, talk about that though, because I yeah. feel like it's so significant that he's been able to keep his, his literally keep his thumb on the pulse. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I think what's also significant is that Soldier Boy ushers in a new era of Southern hip hop, like younger artists, because he uses social media to get a deal. 
Are there any songs in particular that stand out for you during that? Like early crunk, because I have one song in particular. Were you thinking of Pastor Troy? Of course I'm thinking about the Passer. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Okay. It was a good time to be alive in 1999 when No More Playing GA dropped. Wow. You just, like, I knew that one, it was my freshman year in high school, but I also knew in my spirit of spirits yes. that I was a down south Georgia girl. Ain't no more playing GA. What's up? Big mouth, big talk, big game. Taking a hand. I'm taking a I think what's really dope about crunk music is how it like seeped into these other genres. Oh my god. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? And you know, Ursha. Peace up. A Town Ursh, Where baby. were you when Usher's Yeah dropped? I was a new initiate of the Gangsta Gamma Sigma chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. This was one of our that stroll is, songs. That is damn good timing for Yeah to come out. And you were talking earlier about how like Crunk lacks polish whatsoever. Like that's not the first word that like comes to mind at all. No. But to me, like Yeah is probably like maybe somewhat the closest, maybe still. But then even then, with Lil John just like kind of storming in and out, and then Ludacris's verse. Watch out, my outfit's ridiculous. In the club looking so conspicuous. And wow, these women all on the prowl. If you hold the head steady, I'ma melt the cow. And forget about game, I'ma spit the truth. I won't stop till I get them in their birthday suit. So give me the rhythm and it'll be off with their clothes. Then bend over to the front and touch your toes. I left the jag and I took the rolls. If they ain't cutting, then I put them on foot patrol. How you like me now when my piggies valued over 300,000? Let's drink, you the one to please. Little Chris fill cups like double D's. Me and Ursh once more when we leave them dead. We want a lady in the street, but a freak in the bed that say, You know what's interesting is like the one time since you brought up Ludacris and, and Usher and yeah, when Lil John tried to make Crunk sexy, with lovers, with and, lovers friends. and friends. <laughs> I mean, you have like Usher with the, you know, baby, how you doing? You yeah. be like, fine. <laughs> Let's get it. Baby, how you doing? Hope that you're fine when I know what you got in mind tonight. Got me feeling like you to see, girl, I can't leave you alone. Take a shot of this here. And then you got Ludacris over here who's coming out there, and you just like, okay. <laughs> Sometimes wanna be your lover, sometimes wanna be your friend, sometimes wanna hug you, hold hands, slow dance while the record spin. Opened up your heart cause you said I made you feel so comfortable. Used to play back then, now you all grown up like Rudy Huxtable. I could be your bug, you could be And then here come Lil Jack. I've been knowing you for a long time. Knowing you for a long time. But fucking never crossed my mind. But tonight I seen some in you. That made me want to get with you Shorty. You ain't been nothing but a friend to me Shorty. And a nigga never ever dreamed we'd be Shorty. Up in here kissing, hugging, squeezing, touching Shorty. Up in the bathtub, rubber-dubbing Sir, you sir So like that lack of polish 
in this instance means like lack of game. You're like, you got Luda who's giving you game. You got Usher who's giving you game. And then here come they friend, the friend who's always in the corner of the club. No, it's it's when you're walking out of the club and your oh, ears yeah. are still ringing from the speakers like booming in your face that you're still talking like, oh, can you still hear me? Like that's Lil John. <laughs> He's the friend who like grab you by the wrist on your way out the club, and then that's when he's like trying to give you that line because you got the ringing in your ears, and you be like, yeah, yeah, that's sexy. I've been knowing you for a long time, shawty. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Crunk's not supposed to pitch the woo. Okay, Crunk is not supposed to pitch the woo. You should have tried it out when Usher was over there singing, and then you know try to like slide up on the side or something like that. But oh no, not you. <laughs> Please tell your lovers and friends that Ursher, John, and Luda had to do it again. That's right. Yeah. Please tell your lovers and friends that Ursher, John, and Luda had to do it again. Crunk is not supposed to be romantical or sexy, but that does not mean that women cannot participate in Crunk. Well, I was I was about to ask your thoughts on Sierra because I thought hmm. Sierra coming out no because she like Early when Sierra. she came yeah we're oh. talking goody Sierra like, like 15 year old Sierra yeah practically so okay. like when she's coming out with production by Lil Jon and a Jazzy Fag being deemed the princess of like crunk R and B or whatever I felt like that was the first instance where like Lil Jon is sort of like testing the waters to see like how far can we really push like this crunk thing you know what I mean like can't is this even possible. I waited so you already know I'm not being too dramatic That's the way I gotta handle you Okay, so you have like, what is it, goodies? Yeah, that's produced by Lil John actually. With a Sierra, I would also put in there uh, China White. Oh. From B.I.B.I. B.I.B.I. Why Certain songs come on, and that's another signature of crunk. Certain songs come on, you just know to move the hell out the way or square up. Mm hmm. Because you're mm -hmm. going to have to protect your space. You have a decision to make. On the floor. Yes. So, China White, and then, of course, our personal favorite here at Bottom of the Map. Yes. Talk about Crime Mob. Talk about it. Listen, because, you know, Crime Mob said very specifically, like, who ever thought that these girls would get crunk? And meanwhile, they were saying, you know, they were positioning themselves as the question and the answer. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, exactly. Us, us, bitch, yeah. we can get crunk. Yeah, yes, exactly. Talk about the significance of, like, Diamond and Princess. Like, why Why are they, why do you think they were significant? Not only just, like, because I know Stilettos is, like, your personal, one of your personal anthems. But I mean, like, what is it about this womanly, feminine voice on Nuck If You Buck that really, like, sets it off? I feel like with Nuck If You Buck... It was emblematic. Like, I think it kind of made it a little bit even just even a little bit more accessible to people, because I guess when you're thinking about 
Lil John kind of rolling up to Club 112, and I don't give a, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of teases that out because I don't, do you remember that video? Mm-hmm. I don't give a video where he models it after the Prodigy Smack My Bitch Up video where you're just, you're, it's from the perspective of somebody who's like raiding the men's bathroom and like throwing elbows and stuff like that. And then in the end, you find out that it's a woman, like surprise, surprise. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Crime Mob was that like in real life though. Mm. And it kind of gave us the space, like, you know, because getting crunk is fun. Like, so I think crunk, when we think about crunk, we, Andre 3000 compared it to punk, you know, in the sense that, like, you know, it's just folks really like to rage, but mm-hmm. punk, rock in general, and then crunk up until this point really kind of gets positioned as like male dominated spaces. But then here comes Crime Mob saying that, you know, they're going through the club, shaking their dreads. And, like, that was really important. It just kind of opened the doors for Crunk to be a more, I don't want to say universal experience, but kind of. Inclusive, maybe? Inclusive. Yes. Let's say inclusive. I come in the club, shaking my dress, throwing these bowls and busting these heads. Bitch, you're relevant. Steps on my wrist. It's best to make up by fit you will let. I've been a diamond committing no crime. Not leaving a trace, not leaving a lie. We knocking it back because I got a knife. I blow you away because you wasting my time. Stupid ass niggas, I know what to do. I waste your way as you fuck with my crew. I'm doing what you had it, so watch what you do. You talking about me, then I'm talking to you. You back in the we leaving your place. You busting on me, then shit gon' get nasty. I'm cold in the ice and I'm freezing out here. I'm talking to your city, but you cannot tell. I always just got excited for their parts on the song. I mean, like, of course you start with that first verse, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, like, you know, for me, I was just like, oh, I'm ready for the women to tell you what we're going to do, what you're not going to do. <laughs> um, and I just think that, that that is a significant part of of the legacy because, I mean, like, even though crunk rap is simplistic, you still got to bring it. You can't just come out with some weak kind of whatever. You need something that folks are going to catch on to and hold on to. And I think yeah. that's the reason that you know, Nuck If You Buck is so significant is that there's multiple reasons to hold on to it. Yeah. The bells at the beginning. Oh my God. Like the, the chorus. I mean, like it's so easy to, yeah. you know, to chant. You know what I'm saying? Right. And something else that I'm thinking about too, especially with like Crime Mob. I mean, like even the name Crime Mob. You know what I'm saying? Like even they name say, <laughs> we gonna fuck you up. Oh yeah. If you buck, boy. I'm also thinking about, you know, the Prince of Crunk. Who's the Prince of Crunk? Little Scrappy. Scrappy. Okay. Little Scrappy. You know what I'm saying? On his shiz naive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, um, I mean, like, when he, I mean, that was my first introduction to Scrap. It wasn't Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's one of the reasons I tuned into Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Because of Little Scrappy. It's because of Little Scrappy. And then he just turns out to be a puppy dog. Don't tell him that. You know what I'm saying? He, he knows he, he is. He anyway, that life. That's a whole other discussion. With <laughs> yeah. the bams. Yes. Anyway. With, yeah. Let that man be grown. You know what I'm saying? I will. Um, but I mean, like, Lil Scrappy comes out, you know what I'm saying? Um, and he kind of follows up or builds up on that tradition of the Lil John brand of oh, crunk. Yes. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. So him and, like, Trillville, you know what I'm saying? It's interesting with Trillville because on the one hand, again, you're trying to make, you know, rough sex sexy. Like, mm-hmm. with some cut. Mm-hmm. That ain't sexy, bruh. Like, I don't... <laughs> Don't you know if you try if you trying to holler at me you try to put your little playlist together uh huh you know what I'm saying like your little you know have my girl come over playlist and I'm like oh okay and I come over there and you know you start off with a little okay I could do a little bit of Usher I could do a little bit of you know sure but then all of a sudden you got some cut come on I'm like oh so you tell me exactly what's gonna happen this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Just spelling it all out. But also, like, I know there was a lot of pushback against that one cut because of how physically violent it sounded. Mm. It was borderline rapey. 
mm. for a lot of for a lot of folks, mm-hmm. and um, they found that that aspect of it was you know uh, problematic. Yeah. Then on the other part of that spectrum, you got Trillville with some get some crunk in your system mm-hmm. featuring Pastor Troy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like. You know, you can do this whole, this full 180. I think that what's interesting is the fault lines that Kronk challenged as well as tried to cross over. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to, like, figure out where these emotional responses to the music fit. Like, where they where they fall. Kronk has always had this reputation for being violent music. And it's not for naught. You know, like, uh, Three Six Mafia in particular talk about how, like, sometimes their music would cause riots. You know, Crime Mob would talk about how they would kind of pull up to gigs and police will be waiting out in the front and, you know, parents would be out with picket signs and things like that. So um, I think that prompts like a whole other conversation about, um, I guess, just like what happens when like black folks in particular, like, you know, try to rage like a little bit, right? Like Mm -hmm. in in, like, you know, the comp within like the confines of a club. You have these borderline blurs between rage, excitement and passion. And like folks can show all of those at the same time. Um, But in particular, I'm thinking about Mark Anthony Neal. So he has this book, um, Looking for Leroy, where he talks about this idea of legible and illegible black masculinities. So like the way that black men perform their identities, the ways that they navigate and function within society, oftentimes gets restricted to how people view them and what they expect of them. So there's like no gray space, you know what I mean? Like it's either you're a straight up thug and you're doing this, or you're a good, clean Christian young man. Nothing in between. Nothing in between. The reality of that shit is is that most folks live in the in-between, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is what he was kind of you know kind of you know figuring out Mm -hmm. and one of the really flat observations about crunk rap is that it is it's just a place for black men to rage Mm -hmm. and what that makes me think about especially if i try to apply it to this time period that we're living in is that black men have very few places to articulate their anxieties sure and yep. that anger. Yep. So why not the music? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It just so happened that this form of release or, you know, cathartic yes. thinking yes. caught on and was commodified and was popular. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The problem becomes like if you don't let folks so like what happens when the song goes off? Most folks kind of just calm Go back home. down. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Most folks just like calm back down. It's not like it's a, like some Hulk type shit where it like flips on a switch and then folks are just crunk and evil and mean from the very first time they hear a crunk song. Mm-hmm, it's right. kind of like it's a it's an opportunity for folks to release and be able to get those anxieties and that frustration and yeah. also that fun out of it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. Music takes on a life of its own, pretty much like any type of expression. Once you put it out there, mm-hmm. it takes on a life of its own, and that's what happened with, with, with Crump. You know yeah. what I mean? To the mm-hmm. point where now, you know, with Lil John probably in his 40s now, you know what I'm saying? And in Vegas, like, folks still expect him to be Lil John from 20 years ago who was in his 20s and his teens. And he's like, bruh, I'm okay, but can I... Can I mature out of it? Can I age out of it? Kind of like in a way with a scrap, with a little scrappy. Okay. Or a Mr. Collie Park. Mm-hmm. Or the Yin Yang Twins. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you get known for these particular moments in your life, mm-hmm. like your performative life, not your real life. Mm-hmm. And then folks expect you to just kind of take on that identity mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair to the folks who, who perform the music and also to the folks who listen to it because I'm damn near knocking on 40 
And I still hear Nuck If You Buck and I'm ready to play around. But once it go off, yeah. shit, I don't even know I can make it through the whole song no more. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I wonder about when you were talking about how folks said that it was a fad that died. I don't mm-hmm. think it was a fad that died. It just simply changed form. Obviously, it goes into other genres. But it also starts to transition in terms of like where it starts to fit into more critical conversations about the South. You're talking about the Crunk Feminist Collective, aren't I'm you? I'm always talking about the Crunk Feminist Collective. Susanna Morris, one of the co-founders, swung by the studio to tell us what the meaning of crunk music was for establishing the Crunk Feminist Collective. Check her out. I am Susanna Morris. I teach at Georgia Tech in the School of Literature, Media, and Communication, and I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. All right, in South Florida. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've been we've been talking about, you know, the, an era close and dear to our hearts, yes, the crunk era. Absolutely. When we weren't professors, when we Mm-mm. weren't PhDs, Mm-mm. we were just living our best life. Just at Club Vision, just at 112. Listen, at the turn-up spots. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the Crunk Feminist Collective is very much a part of that legacy mm-hmm. of crunk. So mm-hmm. I kind of said it like it was a group of graduate students at Emory, group of women graduate students at Emory. We had a man, too. And a man, okay then, mm-hmm. group graduate students <laughs> at Emory, and you took a musical genre mm-hmm. and made it a theory. Can you tell us, like, why crunk? Like, Well, at first, it really low-key started off as a joke. We were all feminists. We all identified as feminists. Some of us were in women's studies programs and the like. And But the term crunk was being used to describe music, but also getting crunk with someone meant turning up on them, putting them in their place. It also meant, you know, getting crunk meant having a good time, partying, and so on. So, you know, if we were in a classroom setting and someone was being homophobic or transphobic or classist or just regular old racist, we would have to get crunk with them. Mm-hmm. And so we started joking and saying, man, I'm a, I'm a feminist, but I'm a crunk feminist, right? But after a while, we thought, this actually is a thing. Like, this is really a thing. And so we were really, as we thought about it as a theory and a methodology, we really thought of the percussive elements of crunk, right? Mm -hmm. Crunk is really about beats and bass. Mm. And and our feminism is bringing these percussive elements together, things that should not really go together, right? Like crunk was not particularly highbrow, not seen as highbrow. And while we we obviously study hip-hop in the academy, until fairly recently, I would say even now, there's a particular sheen to mm. hip hop studies, right? Okay. We're at Yale, we're yeah. at Harvard, we're at Emory, we at wherever, right? Georgia mm-hmm, Tech, mm-hmm. Kennesaw State, but there's still sometimes, a, you know, the idea that the blues—that's serious musical study in terms of Black studies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or studying gospel music, but hip hop, and I would even add R and B, get short shrift in particular kinds of ways, right? But we weren't really interested in that. We were really interested in what it was doing for our lives. It was giving us a kind of language to make sense of who we were as young people, as folks who were oftentimes moving through class positions, right? Mm -hmm. Even while we were in grad school. Um, Just today I was reading an article about um, home health aid workers, that being one of the hardest jobs around, right? And when I was at Emory in these elite marble halls, my mother was a home health aide. And the most she ever made was $10 an hour. And here I am on campus with all this money getting paid to read, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Making more than my mother as a graduate student. 
because so, I had multiple jobs. I'm Jamaican, so mm. I had many, many jobs. <laughs> many jobs. So, you know, moving through these spaces as queer people, as cis folk, as all the different identities and labels that we live with, that that crunkness gave us a language, right? And it also is a space of black joy. Yes. Right? You know, you don't have to be hard all the time. I mean, you can be hard. I mean, knuck if you buck, right? But there's a joy in that freedom and release that we often didn't have permission to enact in the academy so we just took up that space anyway and so that crunkness gave us that language to do that you know um the other thing that i was thinking about too is you know the significance of of legacy Mm -hmm. um because when i think about crunk exactly for those reasons that you're talking about um but when when crunk music breaks down along those particular gender lines Mm -hmm. you think of crunk music as a space of rage Mm -hmm. but i felt like it was also kind of like a space of like you said a space of release for anxiety especially as it relates to black men Mm -hmm. but when you add the element of women to Mm -hmm. the conversation Mm -hmm. about you know this idea of crunk i feel like it is an extension of what Joan talks about with, yeah. you know, hip hop feminism. Joan Morgan, of course, right? Joan Morgan. Yeah, mm-hmm. Joan Morgan, of course. Um, and the Crunk Feminist Collective is an effort to make a southern hip hop feminism with the Crunk Feminists. Is that, does that sound absolutely, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's no mistake that, you know, we started in Atlanta during the Crunk era and that many of our. Um, members are either from the South or have lived in the South. So, you know, I have a Northern accent. I lived in Connecticut for a while and up in the North. But I claim Florida because I moved to Florida when I was 12, right? And so I remember when I moved to Florida that it was East Coast, West Coast, Mm -hmm. right? We didn't really have, like, that Southern identity in the same way, but it was, you know, outcast. There were, you know, of course we had Uncle Luke and we had Trina and all those kinds of people coming out. And so it was like, yeah, there is a distinct sound. I mean, we had Miami bass, but that was always given kind of short shrift. Like, that's not real hip hop. Mm. Like, it is, though. Mm. It's real. It is. I mean, um, you sweat like it's real, so. <sighs> Look, come on now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's a... The South is a fertile, a particularly fertile ground for this kind of exploration. Miss Chris, you know how like you talk about, especially when you talk about Atlanta, it always becomes the NM conversation. What do you so, mean? So like outcast, goody mob, and them. Oh yeah. You know, so this is the crunk version of that, Lil John and them. And I just want to pay homage to the NMs. Because there were so their, many of them. Walk with me, talk with me, throw bows with me. <laughs> throw bows with me. Put that on a welcome mat. Yes. yes. So big old. I think th- I think Big Oop is important to bring up because before like Lil John became like a mainstream success, like Big Oop was a primary example of how like Crunk kind of began out of like this independent hustle because that's exactly mm. what Big Oop was. Big Oop was like maybe the one of the first like Atlanta independent hip hop labels to like come out of the city. So like Big Oop, like yo, how familiar are you with Hitman Sammy Sam? Oh my God. <laughs> Hitman Sammy Sam is one of those folks where you just, you listen to him and you're just like, oh, so that's how Gucci Mane came to be. <laughs> I am your peppy. <laughs> <laughs> I am your hip hop peppy. <laughs> but he's absolutely a progenitor, like for sure. Yo, but like riding with some players though, 
come on, man. Like, I remember talking to DJ Jelly. Like, I went to go hear Jelly Spin at, mm-hmm. um, like, the like the, the CD, like, at the store, like, record store or whatever. And, he, and, like, he started mixing in, like, riding with some players. And I was just like, oh, and he, I mean, like, he was just like, yeah, you know, so I was at the studio that night when he recorded. So, like, when he says, like, DJ Jelly, he said it because he saw me in the booth. I was Shit. like, what? Yeah, DJ Jelly is a national treasure. Like, hey, what's um, going on? But, like, Hitman sent me saying, ride it with some players. And then, you know, that's how I know him. But some folks might also know him for the stepdaddy. <laughs> how do you make being a step-parent crunk? I have no idea. But he he made it hot. He made it happen. Shut up. I'm going to call your mom. I'm going to tell your mom. So sticking in this camp, you get Baby D. Let me tell you something. Okay. I feel like Baby D is so slept on. Like, you know when um, VH1 did the ATL ride, like Rise ATL documentary? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm like sitting there and I'm waiting. I'm You're like, waiting for the Baby D mention? I'm waiting for Baby D. Oh, I'm no. like, come on, man. Like, oh, no. he was like my first intro. Come on, man. Like... East side, west side. He made you probably be from whatever side. He made sure that he <laughs> he represented it to the point where you got the stomp. <laughs> you got the east side stomp, right? Right. I mean, like, you know, um, back up comes to my, man, mm-hmm. you know, if we ain't acting up, you best be backing up. Like, what? You there know, it is. Like, he's letting you know, like, no, for real. I just, I love you, baby D. If you listen and shout it, like, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> being the crunk ambassador <laughs> of, of Atlanta. You yes, know what I'm absolutely. saying? Absolutely. Um, moving on to the NMs. NMs. Yo, Young Bloods. that crunk music just died and i'm like i'm with i agree with you it didn't just die it just changed form you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so i feel like it was like that predecessor for the snap era the dance craze era that comes in any thoughts on like you know how that manifests the first thing i would like to point out is like a little bit of irony in that dj smurf that sneaky sneaky dj smurf you know (laughs) he is the one that is partially like responsible for like the ushering out of crunk i didn't i didn't even mean that pun but like you know at this particular time he's working with yin yang twins in particular mm-hmm. with that comes whistle while you twerk everybody in the club know what's up whistle while you twerk go ahead and start whistle while you twerk so i guess they're deciding okay everybody's fucking yelling the hook now now we're gonna try to whisper this shit we're gonna like you know set this set the stage for asmr hip-hop hey how you doing love Now I'm just being, let's just say I can't. Hey, I'm known to be a real 
you get that. DJ Smurf ends up going to produce for David Banner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does uh, Bubba Sparks, Little Miss New Booty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these songs are still very loud by nature. Right. But, but just by toying with the hook, like, a little bit more, all of a sudden, like, it feels like a new fad. It feels like a new wave that's, like, starting to come. So mm-hmm. I feel like that was sort of, like, the beginning of folks thinking, like, okay, is Crunk is starting to be, like, on its way out. I came to Atlanta at the time when Gucci Mane had literally announced Waka Flocka Flame as like his new signee. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I feel like um, he is a manifestation of all these different things. Like one, he com- he harkens back to even when Three Six Mafia was like doing their own proto crunk. Like DJ Paul was talking about how he was listening to like alternative rock as like inspiration, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. to mine this sort of like raw energy. And Waka Flocka was just like exactly that. He was just like, you know, I come from an era where you know. You just like rage in like these clubs and things like that. And so like with him and Lex Luger, I feel like they sort of really set the stage for like, this is what a new generation of crunk could actually like sound like. I go hard in the motherfucking paint, nigga. Then you stank it, nigga. What the fuck you thinking, nigga? I won't die for this shit or what the fuck I say. Front yard, broad day with the SK. See Gucci, that's my motherfucking nigga. I hang in the jail with them hits for killers. I refuse to end this recording without talking about Bone Crusher. I ain't never scared. Tip came in there and like gave you one of the most iconic phrases in Southern hip hop. You can fight me on that shit. <laughs> I will die on that hill. When he's like, I'm a bankhead nigga, I'll take your cookies. Like you replaced bankhead with wherever the fuck you from. <laughs> to the point where I was like, I'm a Benny girl, shouty. I'll take your cookies. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, just like, it's hilarious because like when Bone Crusher looks back on that song, like he said in an interview, he was like, damn, I was just, just mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I mean, like, you know, them horns come in, that uh-huh. bass comes in, you, you better be ready. Yeah. You yeah. can't just tiptoe around a song like Never Skip. You need to be ready to go. What, what do you think is the biggest takeaway from thinking about crunk music as a legacy of Southern hip hop? So I think the first thing that comes to mind is just first that crunk has had a much longer history than most folks would even begin to understand. Because I think when I talk to folks about crunk music, they love to peg it to a 2003, a 2004. They love to think about how, you know, with the Chappelle show, that little John sketch, you know, that was a moment in time that really epitomized like crunk. In this discussion, my biggest takeaway is just that I think crunk probably deserves a more critical look just in general that we've already given it. So I feel like that's the first thing, you know, it's just like, for, first of all, to recognize its existence, its longer history. And then maybe we should start to take it a little bit more seriously.
Thank you for listening to Bottom of the Map, brought to you by WABE and PRX. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It'll help more people find this show. Follow Bottom of the Map on your social media platforms at BOTMPod. Again, that's BOTMPod. Bottom of the Map is hosted by Christina Lee and Dr. Regina Bradley. Produced by Floyd Hall. That's me. Edited by Stephen Key. Executive producers, Jan Berry and John Hawes. Ayanna Taylor is our project manager. Our theme music is produced by Smith and Cash. Special thanks to Mike Johns and Lois O.G. Reitzes. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Follow, subscribe, connect. Holla. I love you, Roy. Yeah!